Recovery Elevator, episode 457. Yeah, at that point, it was just drowning the pain. That's all I was doing was drowning my feelings. And I didn't see uh, any reason at the time to stop. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Listeners, on today's episode, we have Ryan. He's 33 years old from Orange County, New York, and took his last drink on September 24th, 2023. Great job, Ryan. I want to say what's up to all of our Cafe RE chat hosts. Thank you so much. You guys do an incredible job. Listeners, today is going to be a good day, and today has already been a good day. I want to say happy Thanksgiving week to all my listeners in the U.S. of A. Be sure to take some time this week and let the universe know what you're thankful for. And remember, a drink won't make your holiday any better. If you're needing additional support this week, we've got 456 previous episodes filled with value bombs from interviewees whom have ditched the booze. And before we get any further in this episode, let's hear from Athletic Greens. Thank you to our newest partner, Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens daily. I gave AG1 a try because I noticed that I was taking multiple supplements a day and I was searching for something that took care of my immune system as well as gut health all in one. I'm training for another marathon and I take AG1 in the morning before getting my run in and it makes me feel like I'm ready to conquer the day. I'm a busy working mom, and it gives me such peace of mind knowing that I'm helping my body by providing it with all of the nutrients that it needs in a day. I've been taking AG1 for two months now, and I have noticed how good I feel throughout the day and how I don't immediately need caffeine upon waking up. All you have to do is mix one scoop of AG1 with water, and voila, your cells will be grateful. One daily serving of AG1 contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash recovery. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash recovery. Check it out. Okay, let's get started. Today is the last Q&A episode where we answer questions from listeners. And today's question comes from Darren in Tampa Bay. He says, what if I can't quit drinking? Darren, thanks for listening and thanks for the question. All right, let's do this. First off, my heart goes out to you, Darren. In the summer of 2014, things got scary for me. Things got real. I had several moments of pure despair where I said to myself, oh shit, I don't think we're going to get this. And this is referring to sobriety. So I know the feeling, Darren, and I think the word to describe this would be hopelessness. So Darren, I want you to know that I could have asked this question myself not that long ago. And now here I am behind a mic on the same journey that you're on. So my message to you, Darren, and other listeners who find themselves in this similar situation is to keep moving forward. Don't quit quitting. Keep using the mind to build, to visualize your alcohol-free life. Accept it all, embrace the journey, and you will come out the other side. Okay, now I want to rephrase Darren's question from, what if I can't quit drinking? 
Two, what if I can't quit drinking today? It isn't quitting drinking for a lifetime, it's only for today. And once you get some momentum, it gets easier. Episode 426, which came out earlier this April, was titled, It Gets Easier. And that basically says, getting one day is harder than getting two. And two days is harder than a week, a week harder than a month, a month harder than a year, a year harder than two, and you get the point. So Darren, it does get easier. You just got to get that first day. So what if I can't quit drinking today? Well, don't beat yourself up. Alcoholics drink. People with drinking problems drink. People with an alcohol use disorder drink. People who are addicted to alcohol drink. Some may even call this a disease. But on the flip side of that, alcoholics quit drinking every day. People who are physically addicted to alcohol break those chains every day. Some need detox, some need treatment, some go to 12-step meetings, some join Cafe RE. I've been doing this for almost a decade and everyone has the capacity to quit drinking. My inbox is filled with stories from people who have quit drinking. So what if I can't quit drinking today? Well, today is the key word. If you keep the idea alive, if you keep exploring sobriety, if you keep visualizing a life without alcohol, if you get honest with yourself, if you keep stepping outside your comfort zone, if you burn some ships, then your quit date gets closer and closer and is right around the corner. In fact, it's only a matter of time. Your body, mind, and soul are getting on the same page. The conscious and the unconscious are preparing for a future where alcohol is no longer present. My advice, stick to the plan. Let me say that again. Stick to the plan of seeking sobriety. Speaking of, there is a law in quantum science that says what you seek is seeking you. There are equations that can pencil this out. The 13th century Sufi mystic poet Rumi intuitively knew this. In fact, he may have been the first one to coin the phrase, what you seek is seeking you. There's about a million memes on the internet with that. If you are seeking sobriety, then sobriety is also seeking you. Now, this process takes time. Yes, I have met some people, and I've interviewed a few, who fall into the one-and-done category where they quit drinking and never look back, but that is the slim minority. For most, including myself, it's a journey. It takes time to collect the soul, to collect the parts of the unconscious that are out of sync, and to incorporate all parts of your mind, body, and spirit together. Oh yeah, and don't forget to bring that inner child along too. And you don't want to rush this process. The school of addiction is like the Harvard of life experience. You become more resilient, more empathetic, and you're an overall deeper human being. We can put differences aside, those in recovery. We can come together and talk about what is important. Now, the majority of society cannot do this. What's up, Congress and politicians? So if you're in the throes of addiction, remind yourself that you're in the most curriculum a human can undergo. And as the Buddha says, you're crossing the river, which all of humanity needs to cross. What if I can't quit drinking today? Go easy on yourself. You are trying to quit drinking in a drunk and fucked up world. In a world where tranquilizers, sedatives, and depressants are a near requirement. This is a mighty painful world to live in at times. And if you're listening to a sobriety podcast, then I'm guessing you took your drinking far enough to where what used to be an effective coping strategy is now the reason why you cannot cope with life. So what if I can't quit drinking today? That's all right, listeners, because tomorrow is a new day and everything changes. What if I can't quit drinking today? 
Well, you may have to physically remove yourself from your environment for a short period of time. This would be detox or inpatient treatment. Now, there is no shame in this, and insurance does cover these treatments. There is a sweeping line in the world of healing that says you cannot heal in the same environment you became sick. There's a lot of truth to that, and I agree. What if I can't quit drinking today? This is all about action. You're going to have to do more. How many episodes of this podcast or other sobriety podcasts did you listen to this week? Or how many cafe, RE, or AA meetings did you attend this week? What if I can't quit drinking today? Hang on, let me put on my whistle and pick up my clipboard. There is no I in team. I personally could not quit drinking when it was just me trying to quit drinking. Couldn't do it. I remember in the summer of 2014 when I said to myself, oh shit, I don't think I can quit drinking. And I was correct because I was trying to do it alone. I couldn't do it. I stood no chance in the long run. So what if I can't quit drinking today? Well, Darren and other listeners who feel the same way, I don't believe that. Everyone can. Everyone will if they stick with it long enough. And remember, you cannot shame yourself in a sobriety, but you can love yourself in a sobriety. So I want to say thank you, Darren, and other listeners for submitting questions for the last 10, 11, or 12 episodes. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp, before we hear from Ryan. Is it me, or does the end of the year season seem extra overwhelming? Yes, it's supposed to be joyous and full of togetherness, but if I'm being honest, I've noticed that a lot of what is happening during this time of the year only adds stress and tension to my life. I'm a working mom who likes prioritizing recovery, and these months make me feel a bit too stretched. I also love routine, and not having a lot of it during the holidays destabilizes me a bit. Having weekly therapy grounds me and allows me to actually focus on the good that is happening around me versus spiral down the stress. Having extra reassurance, validation, and tools in my recovery kit is just what I need as the end of the year approaches. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash elevator. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. How's it going? Yeah, Ryan, it's great to be here with you. I'm excited to chat with you, learn about you, your story into addiction and out of addiction, all of that stuff. But Ryan, let's get right into this. When was your last drink? Uh, my last drink was Saturday, uh, September 24th. So last Saturday, I'm on day four or five. Today would be day five. Gotcha. And I think listeners are hearing this in the end of October. But at the time of this recording, Ryan's got four days away from alcohol, which is incredible. My man, I just want to say great job with that. There's a phrase in the rooms of 12 steps where the beginner or the newcomer is the most important person in the room. And I love interviewing people that have not, you know, they aren't that far away from their last drink. Does that make sense? It's called the ism, the incredible short memory. Yeah. It helps keep me on track. They're more raw. They're more authentic. I think that it's more relatable to listeners, right? And I'll tell you right now, um, people out there listening are struggling to get day one or two. You being four days away from alcohol is more relatable to somebody that has 30 days or 60 
the 90s. So please don't feel like you haven't earned a spot here with only four days. And that's that's not even the right way to say it. I hate it when people say I only have four days. It's incredible. Nice job, Ryan. And before we get into your story with alcohol, uh, give listeners a little background about yourself, where you're from, what do you do for a living, your age, do you have a family, and, and what do you like to do for fun? I'm originally from uh, Manhattan, New York City. Uh, I was born there. Uh, but uh, when I was about eight, I moved up to uh, Orange County, New York, the Hudson Valley, uh, upstate New York, about an hour north of the city. I'm 33 years old. I am engaged to my lovely fiance. I uh, have two stepkids, uh, her two sons. They are nine and 14. And I do for what do I do for fun? I am a drummer. I've been playing drums since I was 12 years old. Play death metal. Uh, love playing metal music, playing drums. I'm also a huge horror movie fanatic. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. What's your favorite horror movie? Silence of the Lambs. Okay, okay. I have multiple tattoos. All uh, right. And Ryan, what advice can you give to me? I purchased a drum set probably two months ago, and I told Ryan I was playing drums like five minutes before we hit record or before I came up to do the interview, what advice do you have to a newbie behind a drum kit? Um, start slow. Uh, learn your rudiments. Learn your, your stick technique, uh, your basics. Start out on a pad. And, you know, just start. Once you get on the kit, learn, you know, basic basic 4-4 rock beats. Like, uh, the first song I learned how to play was um, Dirty Laundry by, I think, who is that, Warren Zevon? I gotcha. think so. Yeah. 4-4 four, four beat. You, have you ever heard of a group, All That Remains? I love them. I love them. I saw them multiple times. Yeah. Six is a amazing song to play. I love playing that song. Yeah. We, we, uh, a couple of years ago, we had an amazing new concert venue that was just built in, in Montana. And that was one of the only shows that we could get tickets for. I took me, uh, my wife was fiance at the time. Anyways, we went there and I didn't quite tell her what the kind of music it was. It was just a heavy metal. Yeah. But I loved it. The sound system was so good. And through listening to heavy metal music, which I do at times listen to, I've recognized that all songs are written about the same thing. Rap, hip hop, jazz, country music, heavy metal. It's all about love. We're all seeking love, connection. I don't know. Does that track with you? It, I mean, in a sense, because then again, my favorite band, Cannibal Corpse, that's, you probably heard of them. If you've seen Ace Ventura, they have a cameo in there. So yeah, you've yeah, seen, yeah. But they're, it's like pretty much what they do. It's putting a horror movie to music. So they kind of write about it. It's just very gory, very you know, horror, uh, based, but yeah, 98% of songs are written about love in one yet. way or another. Yeah. That's funny. Well, I want to get into your story, Ryan yeah. listeners, Ryan sent me an email and we, we get a bunch of emails. And if you do request to be on the podcast and a, we don't get back to you and B don't select you, please don't take it personally. We get about 15 to 20 to 30, 40 a week. It just depends on the week. And Ryan shared with me via email that he had a condition with his hips and, and the tops of his, is the femur bones were basically rotting away due to alcohol use, or I'll let you clarify that stuff. But before we even get there, let's take it from the start, Ryan, you've got an incredible story. You're four days away from alcohol. This is going to be a fun interview. I'm really looking forward to it, but take it from whenever you want to start, Ryan, how you, maybe when you started drinking, uh, give us some dates too, or so we can follow along how old you are in 2018, yada, yada, things like that. Go for it. Yeah. So I really, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I never, I was never around, uh, I shouldn't say I never around, but I never experimented with alcohol. Um, never experimented in high school like most people do. You know, my early 20s, it was drinking was never a big uh, temptation for me, but 
I got back from a big tour I did in 2013, and I started working at a uh, lead refinery, which was not a fun place to work at all. But, you know, I got back and I was very stressed, you know, coming back from touring and kind of reassimilating into just a regular life. Um, I kind of found stressors uh, with work. I was very self-conscious about my, my performance at work and just I started drinking to, uh, you know, actually regularly when I was about 23 I'd say 23 to uh, just cope with stress and uh, depression. Um, you know, that's when I started drinking. I would drink, you know, I'd have beers, a couple beers here and there. And then, you know, uh, someone I know, I've, uh, I saw him just drinking straight liquor, you know, by himself, just pretty much just shots. And that's kind of how I saw that to be socially acceptable or maybe just acceptable to me in retrospect. So that's when I kind of started regularly drinking. And it just kind of went downhill from there. So you, you saw a friend that was drinking straight alcohol and you monkey see monkey do went after that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was uh, pretty much okay. Well, so I guess that's acceptable to do, you know, and I would just drink to escape. I've always drank to escape. Escapism is a big thing you talk about a lot and I can definitely relate to that. So that's uh, when I first started drinking. I mean, you want to just keep going from there? Yeah, let's do it. You're doing great, Ryan. All right. Um, so, yeah, I was uh, living with uh, my girlfriend at the time and, uh, you know, things were OK. And it was during that relationship that I picked up the regular drinking. You know, I would go through I would just buy a bottle of a bottle of Bacardi and I would just take straight shots and just drink all night, all night uh, after work. All I would do is just drink. I would look for any excuse when we went out. But drinking at home was the big downfall for me because uh, I could just do it and not really get judged for it for, for, you know, except by my girlfriend at the time who ended up, uh, one night she just packed her stuff and left. And, uh, I came home from work. I saw all her stuff was gone. Do you think alcohol had something to do with that? Abs- absolutely. 100%. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and you're in your mid twenties right now. You said in high school, you didn't really get into alcohol, came out in your twenties. You, you were worried about your performance on the job, found out yep. that alcohol was a great way to escape those stressors of just normal life. I agree, double stamp that. Drinking, you know, buying Bacardi, just shots at a time, came home in your relationship and your girlfriend's gone. Up to speed. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Was there something there that was like, oh, alcohol had a part of the ending of this relationship? This needs to go? Or did you double down on the yeah. alcohol? Well, I, I knew. I mean, I, I, I definitely... I definitely knew in, you know, in my heart, in the back of my head that, you know, that def- definitely did play a part in it. But at that point, uh, you know, when that happened, that just sent me into a spiral of depression. And that's when it really, really picked up. That's when the drinking really picked up, you know, rather than saying, oh, shit, this is this just ruined my life or, you know, just caused me to lose someone who I care about. Um, I'm just going to keep doing it because just to deal with this new trauma or depression rather. So yeah, just, in your email, you're saying you drank about a fifth of rum a night from 2013 yeah. to 2016 after the breakup. Um, yeah. What did what did that look like? You just went home solo, alone, drinking a drinking a fifth of rum. Yeah, I would. Uh, I was working at the uh, lead smelting uh, plant, uh, and I was doing that. Uh, I was when I was on day shift. I would, uh, you know, I would come home. I would, you know, I'd stop the liquor store and uh, pick up that fifth of Bacardi. Come home. And I would pour myself maybe three or four shots right in the kitchen counter and just uh, slam those. And uh, right after that, I would make a uh, Bacardi and Coke with probably a, maybe a double or uh, maybe what would what would be uh, 
a double to uh, a problem drinker. <laughs> Maybe it would be a triple. But uh, yeah, I would just slam those first few shots, then go get my uh, my mixed drinks, sit down and sip on that, and you know go back, take some more shots, continue with the mixed drink, take some more shots, and just get obliterated just to uh, until I would pass out on the couch. Yeah, and I'm I'm right here with you. I had a period in my life where I did the same, right? There's no judgment on this podcast. I can guarantee you right now in cars, people walking and hikes at their jobs, their heads going, yeah, yeah, I mm-hmm. track with that, Ryan. Okay. So during that phase, was there a time where you were like, all right, this is getting out of hand. This might need to stop. Let's reel it back. During that time? Uh, no, because you know I really, I did a good job of hiding it. Um, and at that point, I wasn't yet aware of uh, the you know, massive, massive health concerns and massive health issues that could come with binge drinking the way I was. So at the time I just, I did it and I, I just, I really just, I hit it and, uh, I was functioning, you know, I was a totally functioning alcoholic. And, uh, so at that point I hadn't hit that rock bottom yet, you know, and I've had multiple rock bottoms and one obviously big rock bottom, which I'm going to get into in a minute. But yeah, at that point it was just, drowning the pain that's all i was doing was drowning my feelings and i didn't see uh any reason at the time to stop yeah and i imagine at the lead smelting plant i'm not in that industry nor have i been but i imagine drinking might go hand in hand with that industry um yeah like you know actually on a uh pretty much on what was it? i believe tuesdays tuesday afternoon after work all the guys would just go over to uh this you know this uh a bar a barbecue uh barbecue joint slash bar and you know we would just drink and you know my uh girlfriend at the time would drive so i wasn't uh driving while drunk but uh you know that was just another excuse another opportunity for me to to drink yeah drink like the boys drinking with the guys is what everybody does and it sounds like the universe put a pretty hard stop at that you had an issue called avn avascular necrosis which you yep. said basically the alcohol deprived your femoral heads and your legs, those heads of oxygen causing them to rot. And you had to go yep. through a double hip replacement at the age of 26. Do I have that correct? Is that, was that the big, like, boom, something's going down, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. That was my, Oh shit moment. I went to, uh, cause I was having some pains in my legs and, uh, it was, it was persisting and it was actually worsening for months. And, you know, coworkers would notice that I was, I was like, you know, I was waddling. I was, you know, that's the only word I can use to describe it is I was waddling. Like I had my, you know, my legs, I couldn't, I was limping and walking really very erratically just to deal with the pain in my hips. And I was wondering like, what is this? I was getting this. It was just, a, it started as a dull ache and it got worse and worse. And I'm like, there's got to be something, something going on here. So I went to see my doctor who I've known for many years. Um, he's been, he's a great doctor. And I, I just, told him i was telling him that i'm having this pain in my in my hips and I, I have no idea what it is and he sent me for a um an mri and uh, i went and i got the mri and you know i on my follow-up appointment with my doctor i was you know he was going over the results he's like you have something called uh osteonecrosis or avascular necrosis avn and i had no idea what that was at the time and as soon as he said that i'm like oh shit i was scared shitless i was just I, I, I was taken aback. Like I was scared out of my mind and he told me what it was. And, um, and, but he was confused. He's like, why are, you know, how does this, this, this doesn't happen to young men. This doesn't happen to people your age. And then I'm like, okay, well, you know, I also have another problem I want to talk to you about. So I, you know, I, um, 
confided in my doctor. I opened up about my alcohol use and the amount I was drinking. And he's like, oh, when the light bulb went off, that's why. Wow. Okay. He connected the dots pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He asked. Yeah, because I, I, I wanted to tell someone about my drinking because I knew it was a problem. So I told him right after, you know, while he was looking at my uh, MRI results and he told me basically, yeah, my hips were, you know, to just uh, expound on what you said. Yeah, my hips, the alcohol consumption, the amount of alcohol I was drinking uh, thin my blood so much that uh, it uh, deprived the heads of my femurs of oxygen and they literally were rotting away inside me while I was alive. No way. Okay. So what was that mental dialogue of like, A, I got to quit. And it was the other side of B, uh, I don't want to quit. Um, yeah, it was, uh, basically just that, that whole tug of war, that whole, um, you know, it was pretty much like, it's more or less a live or die. Yeah. Like you can either keep going down the path that you are and, you know, end up, uh, in a wheelchair, maybe never walking again, never playing drums again. Uh, you know, because if I hadn't gone to my doctor and told him, Hey, I got this pain and the bones were still necrotic. So if I had fallen or if I had even maybe jumped a little bit, my hips were on the verge of collapse. So if they collapsed, then that was it. I would go, I could go into sepsis. I could anything. So it was just a disaster waiting to happen. Wow. Okay. So you have double hip replacement surgery at 26 being your doctor's youngest patient. Yeah. And say, you, you abstain from alcohol for two years. Um, yes. And I, I think you say with the help of a medication called Camprol. Now, yes. now listeners, I, I have done a couple episodes on pharmaceuticals to help people quit drinking. The big one's naltrexone. You have Anabuse. So naltrexone is like it blocks the effects of the euphoric feelings. Um, Anabuse, you drink, you're going to throw up. And Camprol, it affects more of the GABA receptors in the brain. It's kind of a calm. And as you said, Ryan, before we were recording, it kind of reverts your brain back to the state before you were drinking. So you have the surgeries, you go two years away from alcohol with the help of Camprol, but, but how did that go? Like talks about, about those two years. Um, well, yeah, it was, uh, I started on the Camprol, which is uh, a Camprosate calcium is the drug name. Um, I, I highly recommend it for anybody who's struggling. Um, go to your doctor. I, I can't, I can't recommend it enough, but, uh, yeah, basically it. It reduces or eliminates the cravings that you, you the alcohol cravings. But anyway, um, so I had my surgery and it was about, uh, they did them one at a time, obviously, because they can't do both of them because I would be completely immobile. So they did one side at a time and they were, uh, you know, it took me about a month to recover from each. A lot of physical therapy, a lot of very painful physical therapy. And uh, so, but, and I was unemployed for about a year because of that. So I had my surgeries and uh, I stuck it out with the Camprol and eventually I was able to kick it for two years straight. And it was honestly, looking back on it, probably one of the greatest times of my life that two years. Um, I was very happy. I didn't suffer from the depression I had felt before. I was um, I was playing drums uh, in you know multiple bands. I was just having a lot of fun. I was uh, I just had a really positive outlook on life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how are the hips now? Oh, they're great. They're great. I can, I've run seven minute miles with these. Wow. So. Okay. Well, that, well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, and then you said in, in 2018, well, first off, I'm going to say those two years logged alcohol free, they never go away, right? You've always yeah. logged it. It's always there with you. Um, but what happened in 2018 when you started drinking again? Yeah. 2018, I was at a Thanksgiving uh, get together at a friend of mine's house uh, with a bunch of people. I was there with the girl I was dating at the time but um you know we were all 
just hanging out and uh i everyone was drinking and i had been away from alcohol for so long that i made the mistake of um the fatal mistake that a lot of uh people struggling with alcohol make oh i'll just have one it's not gonna it won't kill me it'll be fine so i had that one i had one drink and that was it that was that was my downfall after two years uh i had that one drink and that just took me down let's go into that one drink was it just one to be honest with you that night i i I don't remember if it was just one okay Did, did you find yourself picking up right where you left off after two years um shortly after that night yes you know uh i you know because at the time you know i had that one drink and then i i it just yeah it went back to the feeling you know that i could just use it as a crutch i guess at the time i didn't need it but you know as that relationship that i was in at that time uh kind of continued it kind of got to be stressful and i not so so much stressful but i realized that her and i were not compatible at all so yeah i I went back to the drinking as a coping mechanism. Yeah, I went back to it just uh, to cope with the fact that I wasn't happy in the relationship, and I was really there was no read. There's no there was no good reason to do it, obviously. But uh, that was how I got back into it, which I wish I never did. Yeah, Ryan. And then from 2018 to now, you said you've been struggling ever since. But have there been? You got four days right now again. That's a fist pump. Great job. Have there been some streaks of sobriety there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually used the, um, I got the Vivitrol shot, Naltrexone. Uh, I did that twice, and that lasts for 28 days, about a month. And during that, the time when that was administered, that 28-day period, that month or so period, I those two periods, rather, I didn't drink. Because, you know, as you explained, Naltrexone uh, eliminates the pleasure of drinking. So while I was on the Vivitrol, the Naltrexone, I had no reason to drink. There was no desire, but only because I knew that because of the drug, there would be no pleasurable effects. It didn't, it, it did nothing for the underlying condition, the underlying reasons of why I drink of, you know, why do I do this? Why do I feel they need to self-medicate? So it's just without that hole being filled without that, that need or that, uh, you know, that emptiness being filled, it's, it's kind of tough just to go a month and then say, oh, okay, well, I'm better now. No, because that, that initial, that initial pain has not been resolved. Yeah. Ryan, that's my overall biggest qualm with those medications is it doesn't, doesn't treat the underlying source, but it helps. It's something now listeners. Now Trexone is a pill. Vivitrol is the, the shot injection format of that. In Scandinavia, this is called the Sinclair method, or anywhere it's called the Sinclair method. But if you if you're in Scandinavia, you go to the doctor and say you're struggling with alcohol, almost ten out of ten times they put you on naltrexone. In America, physicians prescribe it about three percent of the time. It's 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 a stark contrast there. So that is an option. I personally do not have experience with it, but people I've interviewed love naltrexone. You're saying good things about both of them, that man Cantrol, Camperol. So that is an option. You know, what What do you think it is when you say, let's talk about that hole that needs to be filled, Ryan? Like, what is the why or what is the driver behind the drinking, do you think? Well, that's a, that's a very good question. Uh, that's something that I, you know, this entire time I've been struggling to find the answer to myself. It's, it's I have, uh, you know, I do struggle with depression. So I, I don't know. I feel, I don't feel a sense of self-worth like I used to. I don't feel a sense of self-esteem like I used to. 
I just, uh, it's kind of a feeling of being lost, being empty, you know, feeling like you don't have much of a purpose. You know, it's, it's very hard to explain. You know, it's just it seems like it's, you know, clinical depression is, is, is a tough thing to pinpoint. You could be having the greatest day, but then, uh, you know, you, but you could be, you could still be depressed and you can't, you don't know why everything in your life can be great, but you just, you don't know why. And, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to identify, but that's, uh, aside from, you know, uh, situational trauma that I can easily identify and say, Oh, okay, I'm going to, I want to drink But other from that, excuse me, besides that, it's very tough to pinpoint. Yeah, Ryan, thank you for sharing those real human emotions. Sometimes we feel lost. Sometimes we feel empty. I think there was a lack of purpose that you mentioned. You know, we could be on like a knitting podcast right now, me and you. And I and I still think the interviewee or even myself would talk about those emotions at times. Yes, that is those are human emotions. But also in my uh, struggles with depression and, and my seeking of information and knowledge, I was like, holy shit, I'm not going to beat this depression thing with alcohol in my life. In fact, it is a depressant, <laughs> right? Yeah. But still... I was using alcohol to self uh, self medicate. It's not a bad thing. It's a very powerful drug, uh, antiseptic. It's a numbing agent. It's a barbiturate. And and Ryan, it's it's a tough world to live in without these agents. Um, yeah. And and I'm I'm just and I'm hearing your story. And I'm rooting for you so hard. In fact, listeners, I want you guys right now to send some energy to Ryan. He's going to get this. He might have already gotten it, right? And is there even a finish line in this game of life? Or is it the whole journey? Every step is the beauty of life. So Ryan, what um, what's working for you right now? I think you said earlier in your email that no more hard stuff. Like you're not drinking any hard alcohol. Did I, did I read that right? Yeah, um, I've cut out liquor completely, you know. The, uh, you know, I've just been sticking to, uh, you know, seltzer. I was, for the last few months, I've been sticking to, you know, White Claw, stuff like that. It goes down easy. I get the ones that are, you know, 8%, the surge that are 8%. So, of course, I get those. But either that or, you know, an IPA, you know, a higher ABV IPA. But I think, I like I mentioned in my initial email, the seltzer, or actually rather, just the alcohol in general, has caused very severe severe digestive problems for me i have what's called uh, a condition called barrett's esophagus um which is i have a uh, scarring uh in my esophagus or rather lower i don't know my, my whole esophagus it's just it is scarred from years of abuse and uh, i have very you know horrible horrible uh acid reflux which when i stop drinking it goes away within a few a couple of days and it's gone but yeah on top of that, uh, the horrible, uh, you know, it'll wake me up, the heartburn, it'll wake me up, it'll keep me up. To be totally honest, like, sometimes I even have to make myself throw up just to alleviate that the pain in my chest that's unbearable. Wow. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I have uh, elevated liver enzymes, so I'm taking iron. Um, I'm anemic. I was actually, I had to go, I was, I was in the hospital uh, a few months ago, I had to get a blood transfusion because... Uh, my anemia was so bad and the um, my iron levels on my red blood cell count was so low that I actually did have to get a blood transfusion. Damn. So that was another, holy shit, uh, big wake up. Yeah. Like, so how did you log these last four days, Ryan? Um, I actually have been, you know, not slacking on my taking the Camprow. I'm taking it three times a day religiously and um, been, you know, uh, smoking a little bit of weed, which... 
I used to enjoy a lot when I was, you know, when I was right in my early twenties and then it started giving me paranoia. Like, and, and I quit, I'm sorry, I quit for a union for that lead smelting job it was union. So they would take hair sample tests and everything. So I couldn't do it. But then when I tried it again, it gave me crazy paranoia. So I couldn't do that. But lately I think I found a, you know, I vape up hit a pen here and there and it kind of does calm me down a little bit. I'm also prescribed uh, Ativan for uh, anxiety. And uh, both of those seem to help. Also, uh, Jeff, I think Jeff was his name, uh, Palmer Mondays. That was Jeff. Yeah, 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 yeah. He mentioned uh, Alan Carr, uh, Easy Way. So I actually read that. And the big, the big pitch, I guess you would say in that book is that you're not, I don't know if you've read it, but if it's more of uh, the idea that you're not sacrificing anything because alcohol does not benefit you in any way. And the, you know, the so-called pleasure that you get from alcohol is all that is, is the relief of withdrawal from alcohol. So alcohol causes these feelings and causes you to be, to, for your mind to be off. And that's, I've kind of, I'm trying to keep that in my mind as I start stacking these days and pushing through. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, there's a term that is very real in this space. It's called harm reduction. Right. So in our minds, we have this beautiful pathway into sobriety. We have a date circled. It's one and done, never looking back. But in reality, Ryan, from the my own story, people that I've chatted with, it's stacking days. Yeah. And even no hard alcohol, like that's a win. I don't know if I would have been able to do that because in a blackout, I would have, you know, started drinking hard alcohol. But yeah. only beer, right? I mean, kudos for you. I think cannabis is even a harm reduction, right? Alcohol is what we're focusing on right now. And question, Ryan, in and this journey, you know, right now you're not doing this alone. I'm with you. You're with me. I'm on the same journey. I'm not drinking right now and for the next 20, 30 minutes. And hopefully I'm not going to drink the rest of the day. <laughs> That's the plan. Does that sound good for you too today? Yep. Just let's, for today. Let's do it. Me and you. But apart from this podcast, are you doing this journey alone? Uh, is your fiance, is she aware of what's going on? Do you go yes. to AA meetings? Are you involved in, in a sobriety support group or whatnot? No, I, I don't go to AA meetings. I, I did uh, I did go to a few. I, I don't know if I would say, I don't know, I, I need something a little more hands-on with a little more accountability. And actually, I was, well, first of all, let me just say my fiance has been very supportive, uh, insanely supportive. Um, I don't know what I do without her. She's uh, right by my side uh, with this issue. And, uh, you know, it's not only doing it for myself, I want to do it for her as well. But uh, I know in the end, you got to do it for you, which is mainly what I'm doing. Yeah, she's been great throughout my journey. And, you know, I have, uh, you know, my friends are a support network, my parents, um, they're also very supportive. You know, I have a lot of supportive people in my life and I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have a, a, a strong support network of people who care about me. Gotcha. And, and they're all up to speed in mm -hmm. ours in, in RE, we call it burning the ships. Like they know exactly yeah. what's going on. Your goal yeah. to quit drinking. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. But they know that I have slip ups and they know that, you know, I it's, I've been struggling for a long time. So they don't beat me up. They don't beat me up over it when I slip up, but they are, they're, you know, they're all supportive and they're all very encouraging. Yeah. That's great to hear. Now, you know, a plan is a plan. It can go out the window tomorrow, but you know, what is your plan 
to get day to get to get day five in the books, day six, day seven? Um, just to stay active, you know, keep doing this I love, uh, keep playing drums, you know, keep myself entertained, watch my favorite horror movies, um, you know, uh playing out, you know, my band has a few shows booked. That really helps me to uh to release and just to just to it's exhilarating because i just love the feeling of being on stage and playing and just especially playing death metal you get that rush because it's very technical music it's very fast it's very physically demanding so i just get in the zone when i'm playing especially live i just i'm in a whole different world it's like it's not me but uh then again playing out live obviously there's always the temptation there because it's like, here you go. It's alcohol right here, right in front of your face. Yeah. There's not a lot of heavy metal bands at kids' birthday parties where there's no alcohol, right? No, nope. Unfortunately, yeah. we, we don't play a lot of kids' birthdays. So, huh. Yeah. Some of my jokes are funny, Ryan, and some of them are not, but <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember I used to DJ and being in music and being in that industry at nighttime. I've done a lot of sober DJing and I've had us all, I've also had some nights where that backfired. Um, but I also think overall that that should be, like you said, what do you like to do for fun? Dude, Paul, I'm a drummer. <laughs> I play music. So I hope, and I'm optimistic that drumming will be a very sound way. That's a pun out, out of, out of an addiction. Right. Um, I got a drum set like six weeks ago. Number one, it's so good for the brain, like the left brain chats with the right brain. If, if you get your left hand to do something different than your right foot, it's meditative. It's a workout. I love it. How has music helped you personally? And how has helped music helped you on your alcohol journey away from alcohol? Yeah, it's been very extremely helpful. Um, you know, it's it's an outlet for me. You know, it's really an outlet. Uh, not only is it an outlet for me to, you know, get out any frustration or any negative emotions, but it's also, a, you know, it's, it gives me a sense of uh, accomplishment and self-worth to know that, uh, you know, hey, I'm very talented, you know, I'm not, not going to toot my own horn, but yeah, I've been doing this for two decades. It's over two decades. So it's, I put a lot of work into it. So I'm very, it makes me proud of what I'm, what I, what I've accomplished and what I can accomplish when I put my mind to it, especially years and years into it. So. Yeah. Ryan, I've yet to chat with somebody who doesn't get it. Right. And that was air quotes or achieve sobriety or what they want. And I have no doubt you will get this. In fact, you probably already got it. You're going to be just fine. But in the last five years, it's been a struggle, man. The double hip replacement, uh, well, that was before five years ago, but the liver enzymes, the acid reflux disease. Have you ever had moments of just pure despair? Like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, all the time. I, I constantly, I constantly fear. I, I worry that this is going to be a lifelong struggle for me. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to die at 40. I don't want to, I don't want to get cirrhosis and die at 40. I don't want my, another bone to start rotting away. Um, so yeah, but it's just so, it's so tempting because sometimes I see it as the only way, the only, um, you know, it's a crutch. Uh, it's the only, um, escape, you know, I know just coming, coming back to that word escape and escapism from my natural feelings of, you know, depression and, uh, but, you know, like like Alan Carr said in the book, it, it's these feelings are caused by alcohol. You know, it's it's a it's a cycle. You know, these feelings are caused by alcohol. And in his book, he says, you know, you wouldn't have these feelings if you didn't start drinking in the first place. Like, you know, uh, a, what he, another good, great line from him 
uh, in the book was that, oh, if you when you when drinkers drink, they feel like non-drinkers do every day. Mm. Trying to I want to get back to that homeostasis of a non-drinker. So I don't rely on that as a crutch or an escape. Yeah, Ryan, what can you, what advice can you give to listeners who are on the struggle bus right now who don't have four days? You can do it. Um, I mean, I, I hate uh, scare tactics, but I mean, what happened to me was, and it's very, very rare. Uh, AVN, vascular necrosis, a very rare condition. And I thought, no, you know, I'm young. I'm in my 20s and nothing's going to happen to me. But alcohol is poison. It is It is poison. Um, alcohol is shit. There's your plug. And uh, it is also poison. So you're literally ingesting poison that can... It destroys your bones. It destroys your body. It destroys your liver. It destroys your brain. Um, so, I mean, that's if that's not enough, I mean, it's you could see it as, hey, I'm going to live or die. So, choose to live. And um, you know, I, I got two years in the books. So, if I can do it, someone like me who has has been through all this adversity, trauma, you can do it too. You know, I've never, and, and this is not meant to be a uh, like my next statement. I don't mean it to be a. Uh, I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal with my rock bottom, but through listening to the show, I've never seen anyone get to something as detrimental or as extreme as needing a double hip replacement. Like if that's not rock bottom, then I don't know what is. So especially at the age. Yeah. Of 26. I know it's hard, but it can be done. I've done it before and I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Fear does not work in the long run, long run to quit drinking, but sure as shit does it work in the short term. I mean, I realized right away, it's like, oh, I got two choices. I got life or death. I was terrified, terrified. And that's why I quit drinking. And eventually, you know, we want to change that fuel source to an opportunity and more from away from a sacrifice. That's kind of this naked mind, Alan Carr, uh, that type of thinking. So I, I track with that, Ryan. I am, I am, I am in your boat. <laughs> we are on, on the, the same journey together. I mean, if I want to, you know, get away from the negatives of it on a positive note, like I said, th- those two years that I was sober were probably some of the happiest times in my life. I pursued what I love to do. Um, you know, I had my passions, my drumming, my, you know, everything. I, I, I just didn't have a care in the world. I was very, um, I wasn't, wasn't employed at this time, but other than that, I was very happy and uh, I was just very, very confident in myself. And during that two years, I really had a new sense of uh, fulfillment in life. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, at this podcast, I've said it, the how is less important than the why. I know that sounds strange, but if we're clear on the why, the universe will bend to make sure it works. What is your why? Like, w- let, let's put it out in the universe right now. Why do you want sobriety? Why do you want to quit drinking, Ryan? I want to quit drinking because I don't want to die. If that's the, you know, that's the plain and simple of it, you know, that's, that's my main reason. I, I don't want to end up with uh, any more, you know, issues or surgeries like I've been through. Um, I don't want my liver to shut down. I actually just got, uh, I saw my doctor today. Uh, he went over the results of my ultrasound of my liver that I took uh, a couple of weeks ago. And thankfully it was okay. Okay. So, it's great news. The last four days didn't hurt either. No. And, you know, besides that, just you know, it does, it comes back. It just, your happiness does come back. I'm like, I'm struggling with that myself to uh, get over that, that, that hump period where you're struggling and you're pushing through to get to that point of homeostasis and Hey, okay. I'm myself again. I can enjoy, I can enjoy my life again without this poison. Yeah. 
you're not far away, Ryan. It's, it's right there, buddy. And I'm there with you, man. Let me know if I can help with anything. All right. I got one more question, Ryan, before we hit the, the rapid fire round. What advice to your younger self would you give? Oh, um, don't use alcohol as a coping mechanism. Don't. I, I would I would tell him to just not ever start. Don't go down that path because it's the path that's going to lead to, you know, despair, health problems, and ultimately death if you don't change it. So if I, I just, I would tell my younger self just not to ever pick up that first drink. Yeah. Well, Ryan, we've reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer each question within 10 to 30 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Yes. All right, Ryan, the last four days, what's the one thing you've learned about yourself? That quitting drinking is hard, but it can be done. If you have a good social support network and you know people who love you and it really, it can be done. Best sober moment. Best sober moment. I can't pick out a. Uh, a, a I can't pick out a, a specific show, but uh, playing live um, before you know w- without alcohol in my system before you know without drinking, I just know I play way better. I'm way more on point. Yeah. What's your favorite alcohol-free drink? Gatorade all day. Gatorade, 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 or even Pedialyte. What's I your love flavor getting, of Gatorade? Uh, Glacier Cherry, the white one. Ooh, I like the blue and the orange. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Those are both good. What's the point of life, Ryan? Ooh, there's an easy question. <laughs> um, point of life, uh, you know, find what you love to do, find what makes you happy, um, and and do that. Pursue whatever makes you happy, while at the same time, um, you know, loving others and being loved by other people, and just um, having a meaningful life filled with uh, connection and uh, happiness. Do you have a higher power? Um, I don't, but, uh, I'd like to incorporate that into my life. I really would like. What is your favorite nineties band? Um, my favorite nineties band would be, uh, Cannibal Corpse, my favorite overall band. Um, they're still kicking, still going around. They're old, but they're still going. So, yeah. All right. What's your favorite type of pizza? Um, sausage. All right. We kind of said this earlier, but what parting piece of guidance do you have for listeners who are thinking about quitting drinking? Um, yeah, uh, pretty much. If you if you think that drinking is a problem for you, which if, if you know I've heard this before, if you're listening to this podcast, then yes, it is. So you know you can it can be done. Um, you can do it. It's it's not easy. Uh, I've heard Paul say this. I've heard multiple people say this. It's not easy, but it is simple. All you have to do is just not drink it's not a, it's not it's very hard to do but like and i do recommend you know incorporating medications incorporating therapy incorporating incorporating a uh, a medical um approach to it uh in addition to your support network um that really does give you a, a much more of a fighting chance ryan before we depart can you give listeners your own customized you might need to ditch the booze if line <laughs> absolutely uh you might need to ditch the booze if uh your drinking causes your bones to uh, literally rot, literally rot away while you are alive. Yeah, that's a good one. Wow, for <laughs> sure, Ryan. I I appreciate it, my man. Congrats on four days. We're both gonna log this day together, alcohol free. Hopefully tomorrow. Hopefully the next day. But today, that's the plan. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. I really appreciate it, listeners. I got three words for you. I believe in you. I think that was four. Listen, today's question is intense. What if I can't quit drinking? It's intense, 
because you might believe that. It's intense because it's partly real. Not everybody quits drinking, but I do feel that everybody can quit drinking. So let me say those words again. I believe in you. Now, I can't see you right now. I'm not in the passenger seat with you. I'm not in the office cubicle next to you. I'm not in the next room of your house. I'm not walking with you right now, but I feel you. Energetically, I can see you guys, and I believe in you. I've met many of you in person at our retreats, at our events, at our conference-style events. You guys are rock stars. You're badass. And I want to say one more thing again. You cannot shame yourself into sobriety. You must love yourself into the next most beautiful chapter of your life. Recovery Elevator, go big, because eventually we all go home. I love you guys.